Oh, hey, sir. Do you like scary movies, sir? No, not at all, actually. You know what? I haven't I haven't tried them in a long time, so maybe it, maybe I would know. What's the last scary movie you seen? I have no idea. I don't even know what a scary movie really. Yeah, nothing is really. Nothing really scares me anymore like it used to. And I think that you might be right about that. That's what I was thinking. Is it like you just watch I mean, them and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like you know this is BS. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hm. I want to say that the weirdest movie I ever saw in the theater was, uh, <clears throat> well, when I was a kid, I saw Predator in the theater, oh. and I was scared. Oh, like, yeah? The original Predator, yeah. Like, I remember thinking, like, why in the hell did my parents take me to this movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, are they nuts or what? Uh. Let me, let's look up when that came out. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I can't even take a guess at that. I, I didn't see it at the theater, though. So. I'd say 85-ish. Oh, you're 87. 87. Yeah, so I was 11 years old. <clears throat> hmm. Watching Predator. <laughs> um, and then um, the movie I really hated, uh, but I never saw it in the theater, was Silent Rage with Chuck Norris. I wanted to watch it so bad because it had Chuck Norris in it, mm-hmm. but it was so scary to me. Really? I, I never saw yeah. that movie. Silent Rage. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, it's about a guy that he's kind of a druggie, and Chuck is a uh, – I don't know if he was a Texas Ranger in this, but something to that effect. And he – uh, goes to this guy's house to apprehend him. Uh, the guy's like kind of, you know, whacked out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they have a little fight in the yard. Chuck takes him down, puts him in the cop car, gets him to the hospital. And, uh, oh, they, uh, he busted out of the cop car. He wedged himself in the back seat, broke the rear door open. And then he got shot, and they blasted him to pieces, right? So they bring him to the hospital, and a side project, a couple guys in the hospital or the uh, they were working on was this thing they can inject into the person and make them where their all their wounds heal themselves. Oh, wow. So they used this guy as a test dummy, and they injected him with this stuff to make all of his wounds heal. And so it starts working and this guy comes back alive and then he's out to basically get, you know, get Chuck and get back at him. And the guy's just like, he's just like a, now he's just a killer. Like, cause for whatever reason, they thought it was such a great idea to, to take somebody that was whacked out and uh, mentally disturbed and make them unkillable. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Solid, solid decision. <laughs> of course, one of the big, or one of the scenes is they first bring, you know, when he comes back to life and then he kills the guy that, you know, helped him. 
right? Yeah. So it's like right away you're just like, oh, great move, dude. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it's actually a good fight movie for Chuck Norris too. That's what always made me mad when I was a kid because I wanted to watch it so much because um, there's a lot of fighting with this guy and. Mm-hmm. So Chuck fights this guy like throughout the movie and, uh, you know, they'd shoot him. They beat the crap out of him as he would you know, throw him out of a building and he would heal back up and get up and start coming after you again. So it was a little, uh, I mean, this is before Terminator. I was going to say, it sounds like Terminator. Out. Yeah. This is before Terminator. Ah, um, so they got the idea. Or at least before, or at least before T2, um, I wouldn't be surprised if this was around the time of the original Terminator, but yeah, real weird movie <laughs> from that standpoint. And, uh, they had a good fight scene at the end, kicks him in, Chuck kicks him into a well or throws him into a well. He first, he uses one of his trademark kicks, knocks him down. Then he throws him into a well. And, uh, you know, so they do the, ah, just falling down the well and i'm seeing on uh there's a youtube clip <clears throat> silent rage fight number one remastered in hd wow i'll have to check this out yeah what you go to is the final fight uh Jeez. there's a good how young Norris was. <laughs> oh yeah, and and to be honest, he's still pretty old here by, you know, this those kind of standards. <clears throat> because, you know, he's in his probably in his forties here doing this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you hear my mouse clicking? I got the new silent mouse. Oh, go ahead. Okay, ready? Yep. For real. I'm clicking right now. Just, just sounds like you're tapping again. your desk there with your finger. It's not loud at all. See? Now I just need a silent keyboard. That's, uh, that's freaking nice, Pete, man. Pete, Pete Phillips will be happy. <laughs> he will. Man, that is Honestly, cool. I, listen, I don't know if... Um, I listened a little bit to Justin Doyle's podcast I did with him with my talking about my dad. Yeah. And I don't, I listened to it. Um, I didn't have headphones on and I was listening to it and maybe he took them out, but I didn't hear the clicks that much in there. Yeah. I think he was able to take them out. Um, and I explained okay. to him. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure if he, uh, yeah, he was able to take them out. And, uh, whereas, my like where I ran into trouble was where you're talking and clicking at the same time. I can't take him out. I yeah, think, it's I think over he, the top. I, yeah, it's over the top. I, I just can't do it. But, um, and plus it would just take an ungodly amount of time. Right. <laughs> and I think, uh, Doyle was really committed to doing it. Whereas I was just like, you know what? Our fans are used to this by now. It's been seven years. <laughs> it's like, if you're not used to this now, <laughs> But uh, at some point there, you're really going off the hook the other uh, last episode. And I was like, whoa, Jason, we need to I get a go off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> and I was even messaging you. I'm like, dude, I know the, the click it. And it's just a habit. I know. I mean, it's just 
But yeah, it's it's all good. So so we ordered the new. I don't, I don't remember. Did somebody send me the link to that uh, mouse? I think maybe Doyle did. And uh, I don't know. You just sent it to me, and I I, I got it because I'm like I'm gonna try it. You're like ordered, and the next day you got it. Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was nuts. <laughs> I, I can't believe how quickly you can get this stuff. Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, oh, he'll get it after the Nats, and you're like, next day you got it. We didn't get yeah, to try it out to now, but yeah. <clears throat> That's cool. Well, we solved that problem. <laughs> yeah. Now we just got to do the keyboard. Someone sent us a link to a keyboard. Now we're going to get a, uh, a link from somebody that has the keyboard and the mouse as one unit. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you could ship that uh, mouse up to me. Right, we'll have an extra mouse. <laughs> All right, we need we need a link. Uh, somebody did, and I believe it was Almond McLean. He sent us a link to a. I think Dell made it. It was just a quiet keyboard. Okay, we but, need to get. Well, we need a Logitech. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm sure Logitech makes one because they make that mouse. So. <clears throat> yeah, it would be nice to get a lot Logitech. What's it called? Logitech is it called the? Uh, says on the bottom M. Three three zero. Maybe that's the part number. I need a silencer from the toolbox. <laughs> you need a silent uh, keyboard, silent printer. What else do we yes, got going? Get some acoustic. Get some acoustic foam for your uh, office there. <laughs> We were, just, we were just at Starbucks, and uh, somebody was coming through, you know, with their old, uh, you know, with the stereo system, uh-huh. you know, booming. And uh, the license plate was rattling. I was like, oh, they got to put that Dynamat in there. Wasn't that what it was called? Oh, yeah, I remember that. I wanted to get that so bad for my car. And I'm like, it's like I don't know anything about this, but I remember that name for some reason. Must have Dy- been a good name. Dynamat, I think. Yeah, Dynamat, I think, is yeah. what you put. So freaking expensive, though. But, man, I wanted to trick out my 95 Civic with that. Do you think everybody had a 95 Civic? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Man, I love that car. I don't even know why I got rid of it. I sold it in uh, 2001, I think. Um, Dynamat. Oh, look at this. You can get the... Uh, you go to Walmart, you can buy it on their website. Really? $149, uh, 36 square feet bulk pack, nine sheets. <laughs> My God, the, the photo. Oh, okay. That's the photo's from 95. <laughs> 1995. <laughs> I don't even know what car. I don't even know what the hell. Some, some guy with his, uh, <laughs> his uh, turquoise. Uh, Pastel colors. Make your <laughs> make your stereo sound twice as good. Turn down the road noise. Reduce buzzes and rattles. There you go. Mm. <clears throat> you know, there's going to be some people listening to this that are really knowledgeable with that stuff. Uh, they got to yeah. send us some kind of message. Look at these YouTube videos on how to install it and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I remember I wanted that though, but it was just too expensive. I remember telling my dad I wanted to lower my Ford Ranger and put big wheels and, uh, you know, like cool big wheels and stuff on it. And he's just looking at me like, why would you want to do that? 
It's like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. People are doing that now. They yeah. lower their trucks and they put, they're like, that ah, ain't worth nothing. He's like, you bring that back to trade that in. They won't give you shit for that. <laughs> he was right. He was right. Now I can't, now I catch, t- catch myself telling people that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I was all into like that in my 20s. I wanted to, you know, trick out the Civic and, you know, you want the exhaust system, of course, and, you know, and now, oh, yeah. and now when you see a car go down a road that exhaust, you're like, I'm like, you're like what, what an idiot. Yeah, I'm like, why would you want your car to sell like that? <laughs> uh, man. You're like, man, what an idiot. <laughs> I am. I am. No, I just mean like now it's funny to say that. Like, I know. Pass, and knowing damn well you wanted the same thing. Oh, yeah. I did. Hello? What's up, Ryan? Yo, what's going on? Doing good. How you doing? Good. Hanging out. Hey, Ryan, did you have a uh, 95 Civic at all when you were your first car? No. First car was a 64 Dodge pickup. Really? Wow. That was my dad's truck. He still has it. Oh, that's cool. So it's the same one he has now, right? Yeah, they got married in that truck. And then he bought it off his brother or something. I don't remember. And then I drove it to high school. And then, yeah, he kind of restored it and he kept it. Still has it. Oh, so it wasn't, it didn't look like it looks now when you drove it then. No, not the, you're probably thinking of the green truck. He's got a a blue and white Dodge. Um, doesn't have a camper on it. Okay. But I drove it. To, you might have saw the cactus. It was like I drove it when it was primer, just gray. Okay. Um, but he's restored that truck a few times, I think. But yeah, they still have it. He has everything. He doesn't sell nothing. How many miles is on that? Uh, I don't know. Two. 50 probably, but he's rebuilt a motor a couple times, I think. Yeah, I saw somebody was selling, um, you know, which is probably fairly common. Uh, somebody put a link online the other day to a uh, one of the old semis that they used to haul the, the Bigfoot monster trucks and stuff. And it's like, you know, it has like two and a half million miles on it. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, like two million miles <laughs> just broken in yeah yeah just throw a fresh set of tires on it fresh yep. set of tires you're ready to go damn so yeah anyway yeah we wanted to have ryan on the show he wanted to uh, won another big race i uh it was funny because i was telling him today that i wasn't I woke up last night and I was like, for some reason, I started trying to figure out all the races that Ryan's won. I was sending him a list and, uh, um, cause I want to be able to say, is it a hundred big races or is it 200 big? You know what I mean? I want to know the, I want to somewhat know the, the right number. Um, it's funny cause Ryan's like, I don't really care. I, I know. I was going to say, he's probably like, <laughs> who cares? I don't care. <laughs> but, uh, at some point it'll be a cool number cause you get so far along in these races and, um, you know, you start adding this stuff up and it's like, you know, 
like the AMS, which is a race in Alabama. You know, Ryan's been several times. He's missed it a few times. But just that race alone, you know, you win buggy four or five times. And uh, yeah, it's a big deal. You know, you it's like basically every time you go there, um, you know, it's uh, if the race has been around 10 years and you've won over half of them, that's a pretty big deal. So Yeah. Whatever the number is, it's not enough. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that. You know, that's the part is that sometimes you remember the ones that that you don't want to remember sometimes. I know that's how it is for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but since Ryan won, won another Roar Nationals, it, I, I, I tried – where I started was I had – we have all the, the Roar National wins that he has written down because I think that's important to know. And, um, you know, because like, you know, there's the Ken Walds and all these guys that said they win so many Roar Nationals. So it's nice to know that number if you get up to the point where you have that kind of a number. But, you know, I think the one Ryan just won, now he's at 20 Roar National titles. So, um, and, uh, you know, and he didn't race stock, right? No stock, right, Ryan? No, no. <laughs> Like we always joke that Dakota has uh, like 16 Roar National titles, but like 10 of them are stock. <laughs> yeah. Um, not that he's not capable. He's one of the hardest ones there is. So um, yeah, he's a badass too. But yeah, it's just kind of fun to to know some of that information, and and uh, um, so it's it's good to know. But uh, yeah, we got took some people writing in some questions to ask Ryan. So I think it's kind of pretty good. We got some good questions from some people and stuff that should probably make Ryan laugh, which will be good. Cool. So yeah, just tell us a little bit at first, I guess about, uh, about the last couple races you ran, like, you know, you did the manufacturers cup and then the, and then the roar nats and I don't know, maybe a little bit about the tracks and the facilities and maybe what you like about those, those races, I guess. Yeah, we were at the track up in Chico, California, silver dollar raceway. I believe it's called Amy hobbies owns it. And, uh, it's one of the, one of the best facilities. It's not the best outdoor scale track probably in the country. And, uh, just a bummer. The location's kind of a bummer, kind of the, little ways out there. Um, but yeah, it was a good race. They have a manufacturer's cup race every year, which is heads up racing. I think we do four rounds maybe per car, something like that. Um, buggy and truggy. And, uh, then there's individual winners for the class. And then you also have like, a an overall champion, which, uh, they do like the, your two best, that like a team associated or Mugen or Losi or whatever, like your two best guys in the, the pro class and the open class to come up with like a grand champion. So, um, we were like, Mugen was like one point short on that this year. Cause, uh, Spencer beat me in buggy. I got second. Uh, I won Truggy. Um, so that was a good race. Tracks always super cool. Kevin Jellick puts on a great, they build great tracks up there. And, uh, that was the biggest turnout for that race so far, which is, which is cool. I mean, people are kind of getting interested and don't mind driving up there. Um, and then, yeah, I was supposed to go to AMS, but just, uh, with the nationals, uh, 
kind of the next week after AMS and with, uh, you know, having a kid and stuff now, time's a little more tight. So trying to do back-to-back races is really difficult. So didn't do AMS and then just kind of prep for nationals and went to the Nats kind of fresh, had everything ready. And uh, it was a good, good weekend. Again, super awesome facility at Thornhill with uh, Chris Allison and everybody that helps him get that place ready. Um, track was nuts. It had a lot of grip. It was like driving on Velcro once you kind of got your tire program right. And, uh, yeah, qualifying went well. Two TQs, two second places. Uh, kind of came down to the end and buggy between four of us for TQ and missed, uh, I think I missed three TQs, a combined like 1.2 seconds or something like that. So I was kind of right there the whole time. And yeah, and then the semi buggy had an engine problem, uh, something I nobody's ever really seen happen. Something that I guess uh, can't really, you don't really know if it's ever going to happen. I, I don't know. I mean, Adam Drake has seen a lot of stuff. He's never seen that happen. Neither have I. And, uh, that kind of took me out of the semi. Um, <laughs> which obviously you don't finish semi, you don't go to the main, but we tried. We flamed out a few times. We kept starting it, kept trying, and it didn't happen. But Trey went well. We had a good battle uh, in qualifying and in the main with Spencer. Um, came down to the last lap and uh, just yeah, beat him by a little little under a second or right at a second, which is good racing for 45 minutes. So, yeah, it was good. It was a good couple weeks of racing tough everything was really hot all the tracks were super you know the weather was hot super humid at the nationals um so it was a long week but it didn't end, it ended badly but it wasn't a bad week how about that <laughs> <laughs> you know what i've noticed the uh <clears throat> the last two nationals is when you had that issue where you didn't you know the, the one last year where you just kind of had a ghost flame out and um you got back out there but the the competition in that semi was you where you you lost a lap basically. So yeah. in that race you lost a lap and you still almost bumped up. But and then uh, you know this year where where you flamed out you you lost time but you didn't really lose a lap right because you went across the line. Yeah, the first flame out I went back on the track and it was I lost uh, I got I went I was still in third. Yeah. Um, so, and then it, it happened again. And then I think I was in like sixth or seventh. I think Joe told me that it was like, I, it was going to be close. I could have maybe still done it with the second one. And then it happened again. And it was game over. So, mm. yeah. Um, it was just rolling onto the straightaway. Kind of once the car got up to full sing, it, the motor would seize up. Um, and, you know, if it would have just happened the one time, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. We could have gone back to the pit, figured it out, put a different engine in, whatever. Um, because, you know, down the straightaway is the start finish line. So you're I was getting that lap and then, you know, losing the 10 seconds or so, just trying to get the thing started again. But yeah, it was a bummer. We don't know. Yeah, the last few nationals has been bad and buggy, um, which is a bummer because that's the race kind of everybody puts their focus into and just kind of had yeah a string of bad mm. finishes which sucks big time but yeah i mean it is what it is yeah, i mean you, you go from yeah you go from running qualifiers where you're 
you know, a combined 1.2 seconds out of three TQ rounds to being 25th place. Um, yeah, it, it does. It hurts. And, you know, it's like, but I think uh, I, we're kind of answering some of people's questions here, too, while we're talking about this, which is kind of good. But, you know, it's, um, you know, it's like you're everyone's heart kind of sinks when you see the car flame out, you know, and I don't even know what it's like to be driving in that position. But I mean, I, yeah, this, this race, I mean, it was something that, um, you know, when you came down off the stand, you're just like, I don't know. I just, I don't know what happened. And it's like, you know, people are asking, is he all mad? Is he upset? Like, well, I'm sure (laughs) not, not, not that mad. You know, you didn't visually look that mad, but I'm sure you're pretty upset. Well, I mean, when you know you kind of done everything in your power, you know, last year, I guess two years ago when I had the radio incident, it was there was a lot more going on behind the scenes other than just the motor failing in the main event. You know, there was a lot leading up to that um, with the engine having issues. Um, basically, with that, it was like that year the engine ran perfect in the semi, and I won the semi. I was starting you know, on the pole or second or whatever it was, because maybe the you went straight into the main that year too. Um, and then after the semi, the top end needle was like leaking really bad. So, you know, you're thinking hour long race, the motor ran perfect. Should I play with this top end needle? Should I just leave it alone? But it's an hour. It's really going to leak fuel. So we changed the seals on it and then the motor wouldn't run. Like, I don't know if a piece of the seal got in the carburetor. I had, the engine guy of the, at the time, my engine guy was there helping. And they, you know, I don't think it was anything he did. It wasn't, it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just some, I don't, we don't know why at that point too. Yeah. You know, we get back out on the, for the main, you know, it's a really tight deadline. You, after your semi, you got like 35 minutes or an hour or whatever it is to get your car ready. And if you have an issue like that, you, it's not a lot of time because there's a lot of stuff going on you know, doing your clutch and tires and shocks or whatever you're doing. So we go to fire back up that race and it, it doesn't run good. It's barely running. We couldn't get it really tuned right in the warm up. And then, you know, I'm falling back during the run and, you know, out of just anger, I was upside down and Marshall didn't see me. And I, you know, I pulled full throttle to get the guy's attention and, uh, you know, it, the motor died, you know, so it was like, it was just all that leading up to the ultimate, failure during the race is what was <laughs> the catalyst, I guess, to me smashing the radio, but there was just a lot going on, you know? And then last year, yeah, I mean, just leading the semi cruising around. I, I made one mistake. I just rolled over on my lid and right when it went on foot, it immediately died. Uh, kind of unexplainable. And, uh, you know, we tried starting it, keep going, tried to keep going, didn't make it. And, you know, at that point, it's like when you, when you do everything and same as this year, like when you do everything you can and you, something happens, that's out of your control. You know, there's, there's not much you can do. You know what I mean? There's, you can't really get too mad. All you can do is try to figure out what, what the hell happened. You know what I mean? And both years, you know, that last year and this year now, it's like, we really, I really don't know why, you know, this year I know why the motor you know, the motor inside just kind of started eating itself alive, but we don't know why that happened. Yeah. You know what I mean, the motor was in really good shape, um, going in to the race. And, um, you know, all we can think is that the, the Conrad somehow got a little bit sideways on the crank 
and it ate some material off the back plate. It shot <laughs> material up into the cylinder and basically seized it up. And it's like nobody's ever seen it happen. There was nothing in the engine that was damaged um, that would give you any sort of like, I mean, it was damaged after all this happened, but, you know, there was, it was kind of unexplainable. So, like, I just take the blame, I guess, for me. I don't know what I could have done to, do, to cause it, but I know somebody else didn't do it and just move on. And, uh, you know, yeah, at that point, like, when you're probably the first person I saw off the driver's stand. I wasn't, you know, I was frustrated, but I wasn't pissed off or anything because it's just, you know, at that point, you've done everything you can, and it is what it is. It's it's, it's weird in it's weird in those situations because I think it's the only time, like, you know, there's lots of times when you want to rewind. Um, you know, it's like you can uh, reverse time or whatever. Like, those are the type of moments that I think, like, God, I wish we could go back in time and, like, you know, it's like if we could just like hit a rewind button real quick and you're just like. Rrr. You know, and you're like, let's fix it. Yeah. And then it's like, it picks right. But those are the times I always think about stuff like that, where it's like, man, I wish there was that button you could hit. Um, but that's the thing about the real, the real world though, is you just, you can't do that kind of stuff. You can't, you can't start the race when you want to, and you can't um, restart it. It only, it only happens once. And, but in between all this stuff, you know, obviously you're, you won Truggy and then you're, um, winning a nitro challenge and all these tough races uh, with all the same equipment. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's a little bit weird that the, the nationals this couple of years in a row, it's you've had these things happen, but then in between you're having great finishes. Um, I don't know if they, you ever really make up for not having a good race, but you know, you continue having good races at, like nitro challenge and stuff like that, where it's almost like there's even more competition really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, everywhere I go, I'm competitive. I can hang my hat on that. You know, I was, obviously I wasn't in the main at the nationals, but if I would have been, it would have been a good race. And yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd love to rewind too, but I mean, I don't know what the hell I'd do any different. <laughs> it's yeah. a problem. It, it, you know? it would just keep happening the same way. You're like, okay, yeah, this, is, I mean, this isn't fun. Groundhog Day. I mean, I even thought, like, yeah. I mean, you were there, Jay. You knew that, you know, in this kind of all weekend, my buggy engine was kind of giving me problems with, uh, like, idling kind of weird and stuff like that. So before the main, I put my truck motor in the one I just ran the main with that ran perfect and had no issues. A thing had been running solid all week and, uh, put that in my buggy for the semi and, uh, that's the motor that failed. So it's just, hmm. you know, you kind of think you're doing it, you're doing the right thing, doing the, what, what safe basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> ends up biting you in the ass, but you know, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Nitro Challenge was awesome this year. I thought uh, Silver State was a tough race, but, you know, we I came out with a podium finishing buggy. And, uh, yeah, again, uh, you know, A-Main Hobbies race went really good. Yeah, I mean, everything's performed flawlessly all year. Just, uh, yeah, whatever went down at the Nationals, it was just kind of bad timing. And, um, yeah. But Next and, year, but, it's not happening, though. <laughs> I'm going to jump out there and just keep driving i'm gonna roll the car around the damn track just so you- <laughs> yeah what's funny is it, it happens once 
down the straightaway. And at first, my, always my first thing is like, okay, shit, it's over. Then I go, no, wait a second. You got to have like a lap lead. And then yeah. it's like, and then you're like, oh, you're still in third. And then like, you're right behind second. And I'm like, well, he might still be able to win this race. And yeah. then it happens the second time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, now he dropped to seventh. We're sixth at. And I'm thinking, oh, six is only a turn in front of him. Right. It's like, okay, I think this still might happen. Right. <laughs> and then the third time, you're like, okay, this isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, what's fun, what's is unique is this isn't something that just happens to you. This happens to everybody at times in nitro racing, which, like, as you said, it makes it the most gnarly racing that you can do, right? Yeah, I mean, I, people have had motor issues kind of all year, uh, you know, on and off. Like, you know, the Testament, their their program is pretty, un, you know, unreal. They put in tons of hours. And, you know, Ty's had some issues this year with flameouts in the pits and, you know, kind of stuff that's unexplainable. But it just didn't happen at the Nationals. You know, Cavalieri had some issues in Truggy this year. I've seen Spencer have issues this year. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it happens to everybody. It's just... You know, for some reason, my issue is like to wait for me to be at the Nationals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and it, it is. And, and that, <clears throat> I think everybody sympathizes, too, when you're at a race like that where, um, you know, when you're watching a guy. I mean, especially when you're in a position where, I mean, to to be really honest, when you guys are running, the, when you're as fast as you and Ty and these guys, you're basically doing a semifinal and you're going through the motions because you just need to finish the race. You guys are so fast. You basically have to finish the race and you're going to start in one of the top three or four spots. Like you basically just go around for 30 minutes, you finish and then you start in one of the top four spots. I mean, that's what you guys pretty much do. And it's just, it's and it, but it's always a little nerve wracking because if you don't finish, you don't, um, you can't make it to the big show, but anyway, um, yeah, there's a couple people asking, you know, with that said, and with the way that that has happened, um, they're asking if you think they should have a last chance race like we had at the worlds this year in Australia. Uh, I mean, they could change something. I think what people don't really get is how, um, like Sunday at the Roar Nationals is, I think, the hardest day in our racing all year. You know, it's harder than the Worlds. I mean, we're not only running a semi that's 30 minutes long and a buggy main that's an hour long, if you make the buggy main, obviously. But you're also running a 45-minute truck main, and you're running warm-ups. So you're on the track all day long. Mm-hmm. And Saturday, you finish qualifying, like, late in the afternoon. So now you have to prepare two cars, you know, and when you prepare these cars for the main event, they're like, we're, you strip them down to nothing and you got to, yeah. you know, make sure these things are built to last. And then we got to go into Sunday and I think the warm ups were at like 11 or something like that. So not a lot of time in the morning. Um, and then, I mean, literally we walked off the driver's stand for the truck race after the truck main, which, you know, I'm, I was stoked. I, I won. Spencer was stoked because he got second in a good race. And Spencer had to turn around and go back on the driver's stand to run his his buggy warm up, you know, his semi practice warm up. Yeah. And then I was standing there warming up my buggy. Like, I mean, I didn't even get to 
tell anybody good job. You know what I mean? Like it's (laughs) so it's just like that to me is dumb. You know, like it would be like the same thing as NASCAR, like they're running qualifying and then they immediately go into a race and then they got to reset and go right into another race. Like it's just, it's too much in one day. And that it's what causes it is that ladder bracket system that we run in buggy, which is good because that's what we do at the Worlds. You know what I mean? So like, it would be nice to, to add a last chance qualifier, but when, where there's no time, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. so if they could maybe adopt the schedule of nitro challenge and silver state to where we run truck the day before, mm-hmm. and then maybe, you know, you could put a little more emphasis on your buggy program Sunday and have a last chance qualifier or just eliminate the ladder bracket system totally from buggy. And that way the day is not so crazy you know yeah. what I mean? so i mean they could definitely make an adjustment like i don't think they really get how much work it is especially it's that freaking hot out there it's you know you're just you're running around non-stop so to say that you're refreshed to going up to for your hour-long national championship main event is a joke because you're not you're already yeah. beat it's already been a long day you know what i mean and that's you know that's not fair for us that put so much focus on this one you know race mm-hmm. but, so there could be definitely some changes but um I, you know it's hard to get anything done with roar i know they got a lot on their plate um but they don't really like to hear <laughs> anything we have to say most of the time so, so yeah. it'll be the same next year yeah you know it's uh like you said it is i mean you're coming off the driver's stand you know you're like everyone's like still kind of pumped up and a little bit shaky and it's like all right run your buggy warm up (laughs) it's like yeah yeah, you're just like i I can't even get into this right now like you know it's like i it's like i'll just go out here and drive the thing around and um but yeah it's it is tough um you know doing that doing that whole system but uh so we got uh yes yeah, so we answered a couple of those questions um one of uh one of the first questions that someone asked was actually mark pavitas and he, he was asking what is the hardest race for you to run and the funnest race those are his first two questions so do you got a hardest race and then the funnest race um I mean, there's different levels of hard, but I mean, just overall, the whole week is probably the like the ACL world, I think, is the hardest. It's usually a track you've never been to. The conditions change minute by minute. Um, I mean, I know it's hard for yourself or, you know, the tire companies because it's like almost impossible to try to bring everything because you don't know what you need. Yeah. Um, you don't really know what you need with your car. You know, you just kind of like go there and, and hope you find something. Um, and again, it's a long week. You get the main day and you're like, man, I've been here for 10 days. I'm worn out. You know, yeah. I've built three cars. I've destroyed all these things. And now it's time to actually race. Um, but I think the funnest race for me is Nitro Challenge and Silver State. Like Silver State now is cool because it's Vegas. So obviously it's fun. And Nitro Challenge is, I always take my trailer and stay at the track. And, you know, that adds another level, you know, that, you know, kind of camping, hanging out with friends at night and then you know you're you're also racing a good race and Joey always builds great tracks. Um but yeah, I guess that's about it. Um 
Uh, he's asking, and you've kind of raced in a couple of these now, but the best era for RC. So I'm assuming like, you know, kind of like your feelings about when you were younger racing in, you know, the nineties and then early two thousands. And then now, what do you think about the different eras of RC? I think nitro racing is probably the best it's been right now. I think there's too many, like the cars and the engine packages are like really good. Um, it's a lot, I don't want to say easier, but it's a lot more user friendly than it was when I first started racing nitro, like the servos are better, you know, engines are a little easier, stuff like that. I think there's too many tires. Everybody has way too many tires. It used to just be one tire, yeah. you know, and that was easy. Um, but that's racing, you know, everything just, you know, continues to develop. So, but I think the best era for like 10 scale was probably, um, just rear motor. I think the rear motor two wheel drives were better. Um, yeah. like right when the, right when brush, brushless stuff and micro stuff came in and everybody kind of got that figured out, but we were still running rear motor cars cause they, they had a ton of power. Um, I think that was probably the best, um, for me anyways. Um, I don't remember much from the nineties. I was pretty young. Um, but I, I remember loving to watch Mark and Kenwald and Francis and all those guys race. And I, luck, I was lucky enough to race most of those guys. Like as I was kind of coming up. Um, but I mean, I wish we could just go back to a rear motor car. I mean, the, the, the mid motor stuff's cool, but, the reason the tire game is so incredibly challenging now for 10 scale is because we're running carpet cars on dirt. Yeah. So we're relying way more on the tire making the right amount of traction than the car making, you know, the traction because the cars don't make any traction. Yeah. So, um, it's definitely not. Yeah. I mean, that's the tire game is not good. It's not good for anybody, it, it, but it's something you just have to do. Um, so, yeah, I guess I kind of went off track a little bit, but whatever. No, I mean, I think that's <clears throat> I think that's very true. I mean, if you look back and when you guys were racing in Finland with the B4, um, which would have been the B4.2 before it was really released, you know, you had the yeah. eight millimeter longer chassis, the rear motor, um, you had rib front tires with pins in the back. The track was nice, kind of a big outdoor track, and you had brushless equipment. Right. I mean, yeah. the yeah. cars were pretty damn nice. Yeah. I mean, indoor racing is definitely bigger than it used to be. And I'm, I'm sure if we were running rear motor cars, you know, the tire game would still be the tire game, but yeah. I, I don't think it would be as in depth as it is currently, you know, cause if anything, you're probably like my car's making too much traction, you know, if you're running a rear motor car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you definitely couldn't run a rear motor car on carpet and be any sort of competitive. Well, you you can run a rear motor car on dirt now and be competitive. Yeah, but for sure on carpet it wouldn't work. So, yeah the the last time I remember you running a rear motor car was at the Cactus when well it's the first year that Tebow ran his Kyosho with a mid motor. You guys were running a um, he had a mid motor, you had a rear motor, and. I remember, you know, you gave them a pretty good battle, but you could see the difference there. Um, And uh, and then I want to say that you and Dakota had a pretty good race one year. Um, 
but I, I think you were, I think you're both were still running rear motor, but that was no, not that was the opposite. Remember? So that year I ran the B five. Okay. Or no, maybe it was the year before. I think you're we right. Yeah. A, at one of the races we had C fours. The associated guys were running C fours up at the Chico track for the defense scale map, I think. Mm-hmm. And Dakota, Dakota won with a rear motor car on a sugar track, super high speed. We're like, we're running these mid motor cars, and this guy just beat us with a rear <laughs> yeah. motor car. I you know that. what the hell is going on? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, that I ran a rear motor B five at the Cactus, and Tebow ran a mid motor car. I think he turned his car mid motor like halfway through the weekend. Yeah, and, like, he ended up beating us. Um, but, but that yeah. was the change we're, right there. Right. I mean, yeah. that was yep. that. Then you guys went to Chico. They decided to sugar the track and all of a sudden it was like, boom, everything was that we've just been on a, um, we've just been hauling ass towards, um, the cars have been changing more regularly and the tracks yeah. going from, um, you know, the big race track conditions, uh, carpet, Astro, high traction dirt. OCRC yep. has been kind of the same, but that's, I think where you said that, you know, when you get in that position, you just, the tires have to be right. And then the car feels pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I've been surprised. It seems like the last year and a half, almost every race we end up at, either than the nationals or uh, the JC INS series, like we end up on slicks at some point or mm-hmm. damn close to them, mm-hmm. you know, and you're <clears throat> saucing them, putting them in the sun. I mean, we've always sauced. That's something that's always happened. Yeah. Um, but the burning them in with the drill and, keeping them hot and all this stuff. I mean, that's, that's, I think what is annoying to people. Yeah. That's, you know, but it's like, if you want to be competitive, it's like, that's what you got to do. So yeah, it's part of the racing now. Yeah. And we've been trying to talk it out, how to, how to change some of that. And like, even we got that race coming up at, you know, your track there at hobby action and trying to figure out how to say it or change it, but it's really difficult. Um, without having yeah. full lockdown <laughs> full lockdown on the tires in tech in tech then um, it's, it's really hard to tell people what to do because they can go to their hotel or the parking lot and do whatever they want and um, yeah I mean you either police it a hundred percent start to finish and everything in between or you just can't do anything you yeah know what I mean like because there's no there's no way you know it's not mm-hmm. that it's not that you're cheating if you know, if the rule is you can't stand in the building or you go stand outside, that's not cheating. He's just not standing him in the building. Yeah. You know what I mean? so, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I don't know how you fix the issue. I mean, I think it would, one thing is to kind of like, we could go backwards a little bit on these cars and make dirt, you know, a dirt car. You know, if there was a governing body that was a little more involved in our weekly racing and seeing the progression of what's really happening, you know, I think a, you could come up with some sort of rule that, you know, that the motor can only be so far away from the differential. And mm-hmm. that would bring a lot more rear grip back into the game. And it would also probably tame the tire game down quite a bit, you know, and then you'd, you'd, you'd have two different cars for dirt and carpet. I mean, essentially now you can just run the same car on carpet. And yeah. dirt. you just change the dick, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but if we went back to just the stand up cars, you know, they still handle really well. Um, and they were not even close to as tire sensitive as these cars are. Um, but 
you know, nobody's going to just do it on their own. You know, that's, uh, those cars are definitely slower. So you're not going to go to a race with a stand-up car versus a bunch of lay-down cars. Um, but obviously that's a, that's a stretch to try to get people to go backwards in the development of their vehicles. For sure. Yeah, or like a, I think you mentioned at one time, or we were talking about it, like a weight bias rule, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where yeah. not only does your car have to be a certain weight, but the weight bias has to be a certain amount, um, right. which is it was basically what you're talking about is um, the motor, you know, a certain amount distance from the axle. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I yeah, don't so, know. Uh, crazy. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, I do see some people gravitating towards uh, eight scales right now because of the outdoor racing and maybe a little less finicky. Um, it's like they're they're swapping finicky tires and car setup for um, the finickiness of running an eight scale engine. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Pick it's like people. Out. Yeah, like they're like, man, I'm tired of this game. So I'm going to go over here and play this game. And, uh, um, but uh, you know what, I, maybe if that's what, what does it, I mean, I know around us, 10 scale has been a little soft, um, eight scale has been doing a little better, but it constantly kind of goes up and down, you know, it's like, um, you know, I mean, but if you look at, if you look at it, like the tire game is a pain, pain in the ass, but it's not like anybody's hiding any secrets. It's like everybody does the same thing. Yeah, but and then the other way to look at it is like when you know you were racing full time and Mark was racing full time. Brian, you know, cutting your com every run and building batteries and you know all that yeah. stuff. We've just replaced that with tire prep now. You know what yeah. I mean? Like racing is just as hard as it was. Mm-hmm. It's just now, you know, we all have equal power and all the cars are super equal. Or you know one weekend my car could be better than Spencer's and Ty's car could be better the next weekend and Spencer, you know, but they're all so damn close. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, who can tune their tire a little bit better is mm-hmm. where you make up your speed. So it's not like anything's harder than it used to be. It's just kind of shifted into a different area. You know what yeah. I mean? Instead of, from, instead of the motor games, you play the tire games. Yeah. I mean, back then people didn't really like newcomers, you know, people say, oh, well, newcomers don't know how to, do the tire game well newcomers didn't know how to build batteries and cut motors and make a stock motor super fast you know what i mean you kind of had to know it know what you were doing just like the tire you had, game, to, you you had know? to learn it yeah so it's it is definitely still not something you know a person just buying a car can come in and figure out but you know it, it's just part of racing too you know that everything's difficult to go to do good at whatever you're doing so so uh we're still kind of traveling down marks <laughs> he had four questions but uh how much longer do you plan on racing mark pavitas is asking um i don't know i don't see an end for me i mean i love what i'm what i'm doing and you know there's so many races now that it's uh you know you're constantly driving so you're always kind of you know, we're always racing against each other. The top guys are always racing against each other in some some way, 10 scale, A scale, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously this is our, my job. This is what I do uh, to make a, to, you know, provide for my family and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm going to do it as long as I can. And then if I am not capable of winning races anymore, I want to still keep doing it, you know what I mean, in a different 
whatever, you know, other than different. I'm sure I can, yeah, a different way working for you or for a car company or whatever. You know, I've learned a lot over the years and seen a lot how things are done. And, you know, so it's, I can fit in somewhere somehow. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, me Cavalieri have talked about it a lot. You know, it's like we, it would be dumb not to just do it as long as you can. And, you know, as long as you're, we're, we're still into it and we're still competitive and we still like what we're doing. Keep going. Yeah. You know I mean? Um, and then, uh, Tony Schumacher says, what's your favorite AZ nitro track? <laughs> <laughs> Got to give him a shout out here, I guess. Yeah. The nitro compound, it's his track. And, uh, we're lucky he opened that place up in his backyard because we didn't really have much, uh, to offer. Um, uh, Jimmy, uh, another friend of ours out here has a track in his backyard that we played in for a while. Kind of did a lot of my prep work for Worlds at his house, um, at DHRC. So we got a couple tracks out here. I don't know what's going on with Spear Farm. I think it's somebody is saying maybe the Fisco guys are trying to get it going again. But, um, yeah, I mean, for kind of our tracks being, or, you know, the Spear Farm going away, we're, we're pretty lucky to still have places to go and, guys like Tony, you know, putting in his own money to have a place for his kid to race and letting us come, come hang out. And same with Jimmy, you know, it takes a lot of money to build those tracks. So it's nice to have guys like that. So we got a Conrad asking if you have a favorite memory from racing and, uh, the overall, the best track that you think you've ran at. Favorite memory. Uh, honestly, probably my favorite race I won, or like, probably not the favorite race I won, but the memory I would say, like that 06 A-Scale Nationals, because mm-hmm. it was my first Nationals and my only Nationals win in A-Scale. But it was like, we had, there was no thought that I was going to win that race. I had Jake Thayer came with uh, my good friend, worked on my car, and, uh, Richard was there, obviously Richard Saxton, and um, yeah, I just drove around in the main event, ended up winning. It was like crazy. Never thought in a million years that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I mean, I don't know. There, uh, there's a lot. I've, I've been lucky. There's a lot of great memories because you know I'm lucky to be surrounded by great people, and we go have a lot of fun. Um, you know, we have a good time everywhere we go. Um, but yeah, I guess that's one. Obviously, the China world stands out, but yeah, that that one in those six was just like totally out of the out of nowhere type thing. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool. Then you got um, your favorite. What do you think the best track is? <clears throat> um, I think Hobby Action, the overall facility, is like top notch. You know, it's no secret I'm not a huge fan of the dirt. Um, but the facility Larry Tom put in a lot of time and effort and made that place awesome. And, uh, you know, it's a privilege to have that as a home track. Um, I think OCRC's dirt is awesome for 10 scale racing. And then, yeah, a scale, I don't know. There's, you know, most of the tracks we race at nowadays aren't, aren't really permanent tracks. So you kind of got to just go off the races you like to go to. Kind of an interesting question from uh 
Kurt Winger. He was just asking what's the best time or way to approach um, not only you, but maybe some of the pro guys with a question at the races. Um, I don't know. I mean, just don't be timid, I guess. You know, I, I think it's pretty obvious if you're, if we're like super busy thrashing, you know, then that's probably not a good time. But, um, you know, if we're just sitting there talking crap with our buddies or something, then, you know, it's, that's fine. I, I definitely don't have that super approachable face, but, um, you can, for sure, come ask me whenever you want. Most everybody's really, really good when it comes to that. You know, talking to people and asking questions, answering questions and stuff. As long as we're not, if we if we have our car completely apart in front of us, that might not be the best time. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, you know, it's pretty it's pretty easy to read the room. I think. Yeah. <clears throat> Usually, with all these guys or anybody is. If it looks like they ran bad or having a bad time, that's probably not the best time to go and check on it. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, straight off the driver's stand after a bad run, that might not be the best time either. But, <laughs> you know, 20 minutes later or something, that's, you know, we all kind of get over it pretty quick. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, funny moments with that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. some people just have the worst timing at times. But. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then there's some good ones, you know, there's people that are really respectful, the space and what you're asking for. And, um, so yeah, I'd say what I've noticed is for the most part is everyone's really pretty good at, you know, talking to people and answering their questions. Um, you know, and I think it's just about being specific, you know, and, and, um, I think what's funny, you know, this is really funny because we just posted some photos today <clears throat> of your Treggy that Thomas took at the race. And and uh, the guys at the shop here, like AJ and Brad, who were at AMS, and they're looking at your Treggy and they're like, this thing is stock. <laughs> they're, like, yeah. what? they're like, look at this thing. They're just like, this is a stock Treggy. Like, there's just like nothing special about this thing. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, sometimes they look at that and I think sometimes they question, this cannot be the truck, you know, that um, that's winning. But it really is. You know, I, I was telling them, I said, you know, I said the, um, I said when you got, you know, when you got, a, you got the real man behind the wheel, you don't need a, a special um a special setup here but yeah i mean it's um you know they they laugh because they look at it and they're just like man it's like this thing doesn't have like any crazy shock caps or you know this or that it's like this thing is just like a stock truckie yeah i mean that just goes to show you how much time you can go into developing the cars and you know they take you know our feedback on my well when i say our like myself and adam probably more, more like from adam he runs the cars constantly and he asks me what I think needs to be done. And, um, you know, there's a lot of change to the cars since I've been around. They've, they've definitely got a lot more racing and yeah, they're, they're pretty dialed in out of the box. I think that truck, I, it might have like a low C spur gear on it maybe. Cause I think it meshes a little better. Um, cause I run an associated clutch and clutch bell. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but other than those parts, it's, you know, I put some Lunsford screws on it just to look pretty and, um, yeah, they're pretty, it's pretty much stock. I mean, the, the setup isn't out of the box, but it's all Mugen parts, you know, yeah. just utilizing what's developed in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, my buggy's pretty much the same way. So is Adam's car. So is Trey's car. Yeah. You know, it's just, we're, de- I'm definitely, uh, we're lucky to run the Mugen cars cause they, you know, like I always say, sometimes you can't get the car to be the best car, but it's never the worst car. It's all, yeah. it always works. So, yeah. which is awesome. And then we got this, kind of covered this a little bit already, but uh, Jeremy Mark was just saying what motivates you to keep giving a hundred percent week in and week out and keep improving. I mean, a lot of this stuff you've already kind of mentioned, but you might want to just kind of give a little bit of info. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I hate to fail. I hate to lose. You know what I mean? I, I don't. If I've done, like I said, at the nationals, like if you, if I feel like I've done everything in my power to have a good weekend and it doesn't end well, then, you know, you just take what you learn and go home and go back to work type, type deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think I get more motivation from the bad weekends than I do the good, um, and trying to turn a negative into a positive. And, you know, obviously having a, a wife and a kid now that's motivating as well. You know, I want to do the best I can at every race, not only for them, but my, for myself. And, um, and uh, it's it's a lot more fun to win than it is to lose, obviously. <laughs> so you want to try to always try to always you know go in battle and uh, kind of leave all your chips on the table and move on to the next one. So there's some other kind of there's some good questions, I guess. Is um, oh man, um, which you just kind of answered, to be honest. Uh, this this uh, Craig was saying, can you talk about what has been different for you with your chassis sponsor switches? So I'm assuming he's like, well, you know, when you went from associated to Losi to Mugen, but you know, you kind of answered that with the Mugen stuff. Um, you know, the cars are pretty stock and you're having good development luck with them and that type of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, everything's been, I mean, my, the reason I have moved around a couple of times is there's always something different. You know what I mean? Some of the stuff obviously is just, stuff you can't talk about um but it's always trying to better yourself you know what i mean not not only with a vehicle you know but you're hoping you're going to go to a better vehicle but maybe just peace of mind or you know whatever you know what i mean it's it's just a small industry i can't i can't really say whatever i want to say you know because everybody's all friends and we're all everybody's all good and you know, the companies I've left, they understand why. And it was, you know, it, it was a, you know, I don't want to say a mutual agreement, but it was understand, you know, everybody understood what was going on mm-hmm. and it wasn't on bad terms. And, uh, you know, I, you know, talking with you kind of going when the low thing was potentially coming to an end, you know, my goal was to try to run the best cars possible, obviously. And, you know, I talked to Yokomo first and I thought they had the most potential for growth um, in the U.S. They're obviously a name people knew, but they weren't very big. And But they've been around forever. I mean, I've known Yokomo and seen Yokomo. You know, all the associated guys in the 90s, early 2000s ran Yokomo 
four-wheel drive cars and all the associated, or all the Yokomo drivers ran associated two-wheel drive cars. So there was a partnership there for a long time. Um, they obviously have a, you know, a big presence in Japan and in Asia and in Europe. Um, and yeah, they, we came up to an agreement and it, it also opened the door to run for Mugen because Yokomo doesn't make a steel car. Mugen doesn't make ten steel car. So that was a nice connection there. And then, uh, yeah, we've, with Joe Pillars coming on to Yokomo, we've been able to build the, you know, help build the brand into something, um, that it's never really been in the U S uh, which is, which is cool. It's kind of, uh, and they've been great about development too, man. I, I say something and bring something up and Shin Adachi is over there on top of it. He tries it. If he, you know, agrees with me, then boom, we try to make it and get it out there. Yeah. Um, so I'm having a blast. I I'm super happy with everything. Um, you know, I have fun at every race. I'm, you know, I'm, I get to work with friends, you know, people that I've always considered friends, even if I weren't on, wasn't on their team. Um, so yeah, I, I've, uh, Definitely don't plan on going anywhere. I, I'm happy where I am. I've signed long-term contracts with both Yokomo and uh, Megan. Um, so I'll be rocking with these guys for a while. I I tell the story sometimes, which I think is pretty funny, about the Yokomo stuff where you ran the first Reedy race and uh, you had that belt car for four-wheel. And I remember you were running it. And, I mean, you got second at the race and – um, but I remember after the race, you were just like, yeah, I just told them that this car is not going to work. They're going to have to make a different car. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and then, then they make a whole nother car and you end up winning the world. So, um, which is, is fu- funny how it all worked out, but that's kind of how it worked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they, they told me before, you know, before I signed, they sent me some cars to try me and you did a super late night test session at OCRC. I think we, what we were doing showing up at like midnight or something yeah we drove until three yeah so we did that a couple of nights and i mean i just built the cars as they sent sent them to me you know out of the kit then i didn't have any clue and i there was potential there you know yeah. they were they weren't bad and they told me beforehand that you know we're willing to do whatever it takes to make these cars competitive on dirt and you know sometimes that's hard to take that you know as they're serious but they were serious and they have yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, we've had a lot of success together and that's, uh, you know, that's their willingness to be open to uh, ideas and spend the money to make the stuff right. And, uh, and that's, you know, that goes to show what kind of company they are and, you know, they just want to try to make the best stuff and, um, go compete. Um, <clears throat> so we got, uh, we'll save that one for a little bit later. Well, I, have, I, have a, I have a question <laughs> here from Dan near. And I'll I'll cut Jason off so he can't hear the answer, Ryan. Uh, So many drivers change tire companies. (laughs) So many drivers change tire companies through the year, uh, through their career. Do you see yourself ever going anywhere else? No. um, I think probably six or seven years ago, maybe I thought about it. Um, But, you know, Jason called me and made sure that, you know, I knew that, there was uh that he wasn't done making this stuff and he was 110 percent uh committed to trying to make the best stuff possible and um you know and he he has you know we've made a he's made a ton of adjustments to compounds and i mean 
different uh, tread patterns, making tread patterns that people have never even thought about making. And they like the detox case in point for a scale. It's like looking at that thing, you're like, how the hell is this thing ever going to work? But it does. It works almost everywhere. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, luckily, um, I'm lucky to run for Jason and been running for him for as long as I have. It's been good. And I have no reason to leave. Um, you know, I, especially at this point, I mean, I've been with him, you know, since day one, basically before it was even a tire company. And, uh, you know, we work well together and I, I like the products. He's making good products. He seems to put up with me and my, you know, crap most of the time. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, people leave when they're not happy with a person or a, a, a decision. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why people do it, but you know, sometimes people think they, know the tire or the engine or whatever is holding them back and they got to go um just kind of whatever you know we don't know why you know there's always a reason and most people you know most of the time the public's never going to know the true reason Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i was uh chris trudeau's like what's your preferred method of victory wire to wire with a lap up on the field or final two minute battle last lap dash to the finish line uh, I like to, I like it when it's boring and you just lead, <laughs> lead it out. Lap them. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's cool to last, you know, last lap pass if it goes your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time those, those haven't gone my way. I think I've had a couple of them go pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to try to just be the fastest guy the whole, the whole race, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, that's that's a lot less. That's a lot easier on the on the mindset, you know, yeah. just kind of locking in a lap time and keeping it there and worrying about yourself, and um, that makes the long races go by a lot, a lot, you know, you know, a lot smoother. What I've noticed about a lot of this stuff, <clears throat> and you can see it, um, you know, and at, Ryan's talked about it before too, but. I know from my experience when I was racing, there's not, no better feeling if you're TQ and you see second, third, fourth just destroy themselves and you're checked out like <laughs> in 10 scale. Like that's like the best feeling ever. But yeah. sometimes it also, sometimes you're, it, it kind of screws with your focus a little bit too, because you have to make sure to stay locked in because, you know, you're only a mistake or a mistake and a half away from giving it all right back. Well, I think it's like case in point, the nationals track this year, I I think what it is is for me, or for probably most drivers, they don't really know it, but I think the harder the track is, the more you want that comfortable lead. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like if the track's super rough or there's a bunch of crazy jumps or whatever, then you want to just have a lead because then you're kind of more racing the track. But at the nationals this year, like, Anytime I had a little bit of a lead in like the truggy main or even in the semi with buggy before I had my problems, it was like, I didn't, I wasn't driving as good. I wasn't hitting my marks. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you try to, cause then you try to back it down mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I'm just going to cruise it. But that style track doesn't let you do that. You need to be full balls to the wall, the whole run because yeah. that's just the style the track is. So anytime Spencer got closer to me or I got closer to him, if he had the lead, it was like, it was better. I felt more comfortable. You know what I mean? Cause that's just the pace you had to go. Yeah. So I think it's just different. Well, you know, depending on what track you mm-hmm. know you're going to. 
Well, you can see they did a, on Live RC. I didn't see it till today, but they have like a picture and picture of you finishing the last couple laps. And then they're filming from behind you guys on the driver's stand. And wow. it's, you can see, um, there's, you know, the, the focus when you can, when you know, and the other car is that close and you're driving at, you know, you have to drive at a good pace to, to finish it off. There's a lot of focus there and you can see, um, and it's hard to recreate that unless it's just happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Like when I, people ask if I practice all the time at home and it's, you really, you really can't recreate that actual racing when, when it's going on, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like it's, that's why it's important to do as many races as, you know, not, you don't have to do every single race, but, you know, if two or three of the top guys are going to a race, I want to go. You know what I mean? Because that's a great time to not practice, but just race. You know, yeah. that's when you're, that's when, you know, you're at your, you know, the pressure's on and, um, you know, going and running around on the track by yourself does nothing for you. You know, you can do that to break in engines and, you know, maybe try some car stuff, but to just really, get good drive time you need to go race with people that are as good as you or better than you Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah it's yeah like you said you just can't recreate that you know in the moment situation yeah it's like when it's like people then they practice basketball when they're a kid and they give that countdown right where you're five four three and you shoot the ball it's like all right well yeah so you made it with your own countdown but now put twenty thousand people in the crowd and actually put something on the line and you can't do it over again it becomes a little bit different Hmm. yeah and that's something that we can't really practice i mean those guys probably can't really practice it either i mean in practice they can have a seven foot dude stand in front of them um but you know, I can't call Spencer and go, Hey dude, let's go do an hour long race. And on the last lap, we got to battle it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it never works. No, it doesn't work. You know, like you go out by yourself or with one guy and you get five minutes into the practice room. And you're like, I'm over it. I'm done driving. You know what yeah. I mean? So when we've tried to do yeah. that, when we've tried to do that in the past, I remember going with Brent several times where we would, you guys were like, all right, well, we're going to do a practice semifinal. We're going to do a practice main. And it it's like, work. Nothing yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's like somebody's car breaks or like it doesn't start or like nothing. Like then the racing is horrible. Like nobody yeah. races good, but then you'll come right back to that same track the next week and have a real race. And like all of a sudden everything works, everyone's close. And it's like, it's like everybody knows in the back of their mind, well, this is just a bogus race. Like this doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, the intensity is just different. It's different in the pits. It's different when you're in the hotel preparing. It's everything, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just, you can't replicate that. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's why you just, you have to race. It just yep. is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did you ever just uh, zone out on the driver's stand? <laughs> like, just for a brief moment, maybe think of something totally different and just like catch yourself then? Mm, I have, you know, if it's, I got, got a big lead and, you know, you're not thinking about something totally different, but, um, you know, if you're halfway through a 45 minute race and you got a 15 second lead, it's like, you gotta, you know, take a mental break, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I, I mean, you gotta, you, this stuff, you gotta stay 110% focused. I don't, you know, I definitely have maybe told myself, all right, just chill, you know, calm down. You gotta just relax and, you know, <laughs> think about, oh man, 
I'm hungry, you know, <laughs> like yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. But, <laughs> you never, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. I used to zone out a lot, but I was never in any big races like you. But <laughs> come on, Jason, you've it, zoned it, out, haven't you? Know, you thought of something totally it, off yeah, the wall. It, it is tough. It is tough because <laughs> sometimes, I mean, I know from my experience, there's times where you think the race is over, like, and you're and you're driving. Yeah. You know, if you have the lead or, or you have a big lead, and you're thinking, ah, this thing's over. You know, I got this covered. And then, like, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I spun out at the end of the straightaway. You're like, all right, yeah. well, that's not that big. Not that big well, of a that's deal. The worst, that's the worst thing to think. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the race is never over until it's over. You know, yeah. and then like, even at the nationals, it wasn't over until my tank passed test. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. all right, now it's over. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you definitely can't think that. You gotta, you can never take any respect away from your competitors because just because you got a comfortable lead, it doesn't mean they're comfortable with running second. You yeah. know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. They're coming. <laughs> yep. Um, so we got Chris uh, Trudeau. Oh, he already asked. He already that. We got your. Uh, you'd rather be checked out in the lead. Me too. Yeah. Um. But I also think that um, what we were saying was, you know, the difference between being checked out and having the close race. I think the close race afterwards always feels better. And yeah. And I'm sure – and the, the the thing that really sticks out to me about that Truggy main is, I mean, it's probably, I think, two or three minutes to go, and all of a sudden you and Spencer crank off your fastest lap of the race. Yeah. And it's like, all right, now we're seeing the real deal, you know. Well, the um, real race there that people probably don't really understand is that the real race was the last pit stop. Yeah. Because it was – if you were leading – like, cause me and Spencer were basically the exact same speed and truck all week long. And it was, it was really who was leading. Like if, if he led, when he led a few times in the main, it was hard to keep up with him. But if I was leading, I could maintain the gap. You know what I mean? So, and then we switched back and forth. I mean, obviously he, I had to fit one more time than he did, but I kind of got a little bit of a lead in the beginning. So it, it evened out at the end. Um, but at the end, like him only a second behind me, it wasn't a concern because it was like, we were both going as fast as we could go. You know what I mean? Like it was obviously if you make a mistake, yeah, that's, that's it. But, um, you couldn't catch people. If you were a second, you couldn't catch the guy, you know, the guy had to literally make a mistake. So that's why that racing was kind of gnarly because it was just, you couldn't catch the dude in front of you. And if you were leading, all you had to do is just not make a mistake, which, Sounds easy, but it, you know, sounds not easy, obviously. Um, but that, like I said earlier, that's kind of how that track was. You know, I think Nitro Challenge, uh, how rough that track was, and Silver State, how rough those tracks are. <laughs> you know, you're just you're just trying to drive your your car through all the holes. You know what I mean? Like you you just want to cruise around and take you know try to do it smoothly and you know not worry about the guy, but. At the Nationals, you wanted the guy there. You wanted him pushing you to keep you on your toes. Yeah. Rob Sturgill is asking if you like caffeinated or decaffeinated drinks. Mm, I, I drink coffee. Mm, yep. That's about it. As far as I try to stay away from soda. Occasionally, a soda is pretty good. But, yeah, I don't know. Caffeinated, I guess. Allison chimed in and she says, uh, actually, Ryan used to have his own espresso machine at home. 
I did. Cavalry got me into that. He bought some eight hundred dollar machine, and I was like, "What? I can get one better." So I spent like a grand <laughs> on one that did all the milk frosting and all this crap, and the thing was always broke. <laughs> I don't even know where the hell that thing went. I used some fifty dollar coffee maker from Target now, and it's fine. So. That is awesome. <laughs> So John Bolton's asking how, when you prep for a big race, what kind of, I mean, what kind of parts do you bring? Do you bring anything pre-assembled like diffs or anything like that? Um, for both 10 scale and 8 scale, we have, I have different sets of shocks, um, with different piston packages in them. Um, for, for the 10 scale four drive car, I have a couple of different differentials pre-built with different diff oils. Um, a scale, I normally have a couple radio trays built, um, just in case you have a servo issue. Um, you can kind of just throw another tray in. I usually have a gas tank kind of ready to go. Yeah, shocks for the A scale cars are always ready, different piston packages. Um, so yeah, there's always, we, we always have some stuff. I'm, I'm normally not a guy that has a spare car. I only take a spare car for like the A scale world. Um, just in case there's like a mud, you know, like we got to go run in the mud or something. I don't want to run my race car. Um, but yeah, we know, I normally have some stuff kind of pre-built ready to go. You don't have a lot of time in between practice rounds sometimes. So if you want to do a piston change, you know, you can just kind of throw on another set of shocks. It makes it a little easier. This is kind of, you know, you've been asked this probably several times, but, um, I mean, you can do it a little quickly if you want. Uh, David Olson's like, who got you into the sport and how did you progress in the sport? Was it big steps or slow steps? So that's the first part of the question, I guess. Um, I would say it's probably pretty slow. I mean, my dad got me into it when I was like six. Uh, just started in the front yard, kind of driving, driving around paper plates. Kind of, he was just teaching me left and right when we went to the track and just on practice days and started in the novice class. And, um, you know, that was like in 1993, 94. And then, um, I didn't have my, my, uh, my first major win was the 2003 cactus classic tour drive mod. Um, so, I mean, we, I raced for over 10 years, probably right at 10 years. Um, so it wasn't, you know, and obviously I was really young. So when you're that young, you, I don't think you can really grasp the mindset of, you know, leading a race and, you know, managing a race and stuff like that. So, um, and then, yeah, once I kind of won that first one, I think then maybe my pro career kind of went a little quickly, I guess. Like the first year after that, I was still in school, so I didn't do much um, as far as traveling. And the next year, Associated started traveling me to races and, um, it, yeah, snowballed into just kind of a, I've been doing doing it now since you know the full traveling circus since like 2005, I guess. So, Evan kind of went slow and then went fast. That deal. So we got. He's asking basically. Yeah, you answered one of them, but his last one part of the question is: uh, When did you realize you were going to be one of the best in the sport? Um. I don't know. I didn't, I still don't realize that. I mean, I think if you think you're the best, then you're just not going to be very successful. So, um, I did, we did it just for fun. I did it for fun. I still do it for fun. You know, um, it was, 
it didn't surprise me when I won the Cactus because I knew I had like the talent to drive the cars, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize that I could go as fast as those guys. You know what I mean? Like the, the Kinwalds and Matt Francis, Mark Davidis, Billy Eats and all those guys. So mm-hmm. I mean, that was a little bit surprising that I could actually drive as fast as those guys. You know what I mean? Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, I realize I think, now, I guess. <laughs> I, I think like me watching what I really thought that you guys had something special, I guess, is when we went to the, the world in Italy, when you guys ran the BJ four and uh, the B four there. And I didn't feel like the track conditions at all suited you guys as racing or what you had been racing on. And, it didn't even really matter. Like I felt like the track was completely different. It was like a bumpy 10 scale track and you guys were racing cactus classics and hot rod shootouts with different tires. And and I kind of thought like, I was like, this track is totally different. And you guys showed up there and especially you, you never even ran the warm up, and it was like, yeah, you were, you were just as fast as everybody. And I was like, you know what? These guys really have a, a real special back for this because I wouldn't have thought it would have been that easy. A lot of people get dialed into something and then they're good on that. But it's like to really move around a lot or change the conditions. I think that's when you really see what people got. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of comes down to like how I grew up racing and how Cavalier grew up racing in Tebow. And it was like, I mean, it wasn't like a thing that I'm doing this to get sponsored. You know, I, I think yeah. that's a real concern now. Like everybody mm-hmm. wants to be sponsored. Like, I mean, I was at the track four days a week because I just wanted to be at the track. I wanted yeah. to just drive my car. Yeah. You know, like when the lights would turn off, we'd pull our cars up to the side of the track and have lights. And, you know, it, it wasn't that we were there testing, like people love to post, I'm going first today. <laughs> but it, we were just driving, you know what I mean? Like just, let's drive the track backwards. Let's try to jump this jump to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, it was just what I loved. I mean, I did that for years with the local guys here, like Billy Fisher. I mean, we'd be at the track all damn night. We'd yeah. leave when the sun came up. So it was, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's why I'm, I can maybe adjust the conditions, you know, well, because you know what, we raced on a super loose outdoor track, but then at some point it was super high bite and then anything in between, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it was definitely a good, good place to kind of cut your teeth, I guess. But I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just out there playing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah. Which I think is, that's kind of part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, it should be a hobby. It should be what you love yeah. first. And then if you're, if you happen to have everything that takes to, you know, be the pro guy then it's because you worked your ass off and you just kind of found a you know a niche you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying so um it's it's definitely i don't think anything you can force it's something you can train something you can hone but you can't force it i was uh i was telling aj you know one weekend he's like i'm like hey you're gonna race this weekend he's like <clears throat> he's like oh i gotta work on my car and i gotta do this and i'm like hey i go like I remember Ryan telling me he'd run his B4 at SRS. He's like, I would just run the most hammered, you know, you know, yeah. B4. The thing was just a bucket. The diff was trash. The shocks were messed up, and I would just drive the piss out of it. 
And then I knew when a bigger race would come, I'd have a fresher car and then it was just like that much more plush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, I wasn't, I mean, I don't think people were so focused on, I mean, now you got to post a picture of your car looking all pretty and, you mm-hmm. know, so people, but I mean, back then it was just like, you mount tires, throw them on there and go run it. And then the only time you worked on it is when you broke it. Yeah. <laughs> and then when a big race came around, you'd, you know, prep it and make it nice. And then, you go out there and you wouldn't really know how to drive the damn thing because it worked too good. Yeah. You know, you'd have to learn all over again. But <laughs> I think this is a pretty funny question from Justin Doyle. He's asking if you'd ever consider an organizational role in RC after driving, like a track owner, a sanctioning body president, something like that. Well, sanctioning body president, there's no money in that. So. Uh, <laughs> We're not like NASCAR where we're making millions and then we can just do whatever after it, you know? So mm-hmm. it would be nice. I, I mean, I could, it would be awesome to do a, you know, help in the, the governing body role when I was done racing. Just, you know, I think it'd be good to have a racer, you know, in there that mm-hmm. can relate to all of the stuff we want and want to do and stuff. But, you know, there's, there's no money in that, which is a bummer, but. And then track owner, man, I don't know. There's a couple of tracks that, you know, a lot of tracks do really well. And, um, you know, some guys struggle to make ends meet. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I want to do. I mean, I think I like being on the development end of it. You know, I mm-hmm. like kind of go, you know, I still like going to the races. And, you know, even like I wasn't racing the main at the Nationals this year. I broke, but I was in Cavalry State. Hey, do you need help? What do you want me to do? Like, you know, I like, I still like being a part of it, even if I'm not a part of it on the racing yeah. side, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think I can keep racing for a long time and, you know, we'll do something. What, uh, one of the things that Jeff Keaton had asked, you answered most of his questions already just through it, but his last one was did, when you, did you watch the main at the nationals and did you have a beer or two? <laughs> yeah, I had six and I was on the side <laughs> of the track. Yeah, right at the end of the straightaway, we we watched the whole race, and uh, I kind of laid my we, me and Tanner Denny laid our predictions out, and uh, I, I had it pretty much nailed. Uh, I won't say them on this radio show, but I pretty much called it from the start what was going to happen and how it was going to end, and it pretty much did mm-hmm. in the way I thought. So, but yeah, I I watched it. It was a, a little bittersweet kind of watching. Like, man, I could be nice <laughs> to be out there, but oh well, I got a cold beer in my hand, enjoying it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime you see somebody crash, you're thinking, oh, I'm going by them right here. <laughs> yep, got you. <laughs> going by you. <laughs> um, the most, what's the most common mistake do you think the average racer makes, which I think you kind of alluded to this just a little while ago with, um, you know, talking about sponsorships or having your car perfect or just not practicing or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, one of them, yeah, those things as well, but I mean, just when you're worried about what other people are doing, you know what I mean? Like at some point you got to just do your own thing. You know, you can ask people for help and so to learn what stuff does and you know, that, that type of stuff. But you know, like an example, like when I won my first race, the setup on my car was something like Billy Easton came over and didn't believe anything that I was telling him. He thought I was lying to him about the shock packages on my car. And Mike Reedy had to come over and, you know, these guys were in amazement that I could 
that this setup was working. You know what I mean? So and it was just the car worked because I just did my own thing. So I think doing your own thing and um, not focusing on the, the stuff that doesn't matter, like, you know, polishing screws and all that crap. Like those, that stuff doesn't matter. Just go drive your car, make it work for you and for how you drive. And, you know, don't worry about trying to be sponsored because, you know, obviously it's, it's nice to be sponsored financially. It helps some, but you know, these 50% sponsorships, they're not any different than like the, the hobby shop. You know what I mean? Like the prices aren't much different than how you're buying the hobby shop. Mm-hmm. So go support your local hobby shop. And if a new car comes out and it's not the current car you're running or the same, try it, you know, try different stuff, have fun. Um, and don't try to make it a job. You know, it's, I think that's what people kind of forget about is that this is supposed to be a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something you do on your weekends. And, um, so, yeah, I guess that's about it. Um, we got Kevin King was asking, what was the most important thing you've learned as a pro driver that has helped you away from RC mental toughness, being prepared, attention to detail, I guess that type of thing. Um, kind of learning how to breathe and, uh, relax when things aren't going well, you know what I mean? And like I've given myself, you know, I've taught how to kind of talk myself down, you know, kind of mentally, you know, inside if I'm pissed or something like that. Obviously, I've had a couple explosions publicly in racing, but um, there's been a lot more times that could have happened that I've kind of chilled. Um, mm-hmm. Attention to detail for sure is one of them. I noticed that when I'm working on my real truck or my Can-Am or my trailer or whatever, like I somebody had worked on it prior to me and I noticed how, you know, they can't just put shrink wrap on something. They got to use electrical tape. It's like, really? How much longer does that take? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, the mechanical side of things, you know, if you can, if you can build an A-scale car to survive that, you know, that just means you have the, the basic mechanical skills to build anything. You know, you just got to realize that it's just bigger platform if you're working on a car or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely who I am uh, because of racing and thanks to racing. That's for sure. We got, um, this might be, I'm sure you've heard of this, uh, Kenny Holmes. He's a guy from Florida, but he's asking if, if you would prefer Ginger or Marianne, which was the two girls that were on the, uh, what was the name of that show, Gotti? Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island, that's right. I don't remember what they look like, but I guess I like the name Ginger better. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that Ginger was probably the one that was a little more like, I don't know. How would you describe it, Gotti? Is she like more girly? or I remember her being more like a model. She was yeah, kind of like tall. Hollywood. Yeah. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. Hollywood yeah. actor. And the other girl was, was a little more country, like yep. a little more down. Absolutely. Both were fine. Oh, and Marianne. <laughs> the Hollywood one sounds like a pain in the ass. Yeah. <clears throat> you couldn't go wrong picking either one, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how they dressed them up, too. Like, the one was, like, you know, uh, it's like they always had the same clothes on. They were always perfect, but they were in the middle of nowhere in an island, right? 
Uh, oh, we got Chili Duncan asking when you're going to be going to one of these RC monster truck races to uh, to give all these guys a run for their money. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'll let you handle that. You seem to have a pretty good beat on that scene. <laughs> they're cool. I think they're badass. But yeah. It said to give Jason a run for his money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not the, I'm not the hero. Ryan's met the hero. Yeah. I met, I met, I met your top monster truck guy. <laughs> yeah. We always have a, a laugh about this cause, um, but these, I think, what would surprise everyone is uh, Ryan would really like doing this, um, just because it's RC, of course. But, um, but yeah, they're they're cool trucks. But you can only do so much in a year. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm squeezing that touring car race, and that's throwing a kink in my schedule already. So, no time for monster trucks. So this is probably. Oh, kind of a quick um, Shane Barrier was like, why don't you let Adam go to any more races? I don't know what that's all about, but Adam goes to plenty of races. Oh, I because he was asking Adam about it in the pits at the Nats. Oh. He was asking Adam about going to a race, and I was like, Adam, just say no. And I was like, Shane, <laughs> no. He can't. And he's like looking at me like he didn't understand. I'm like, dude, you know how many freaking races? Like, Adam doesn't know how to say no to anybody. Because <laughs> people ask him like, hey, if I pay for your flight to come to a race, Adam's like, sure. And I'm like, dude, like you go to too much stuff. You don't have to go to everything. Just tell people, just say no. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, that's what that was all about. Adam only races a scale, and I guarantee he goes to more events a year than I do. Wow. So it's crazy. He races a lot. He practices a lot. Um, I, yeah. I was just saying this to Paul while we were watching maybe the semifinal. Um, and I said, you know what? I said, who has more wheel time than Adam Drake? I don't know. Nobody. Probably nobody. There's no way. There's nobody any, has no. more. No. Um, I don't think anybody has more wheel time than him um, behind the wheel. I mean, I, I hope he gets a new radio kind of often because I'm sure if you can wear it out, he probably does. Yeah. He's, he's at the track a few days a week. That's for he, sure. And he goes into the office. So yeah. So, yeah. He stays busy. Yeah, good for him. Plus, he, all the stories about his, you know, he does the engine break-ins. and. Oh, yeah. Basically, if, if, if there's something that Adam could make 50 bucks on and somebody's just too lazy to do it, and he, he'll do it. He's yeah, like, I mean, he's smart. He's yeah, probably got exactly. the biggest bank account than any of us. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> yeah. You know, he makes money racing, and he does he races for free, and all he does is race. So it's like, yeah. when, when do you have time to spend money? So yeah, mm, good point. Yeah, I mean, we were. I was making fun. I was like, when was the last time you were on vacation? And he's like, my honeymoon ten years ago. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're nuts. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he he definitely puts in the most hours. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he'll. I remember at the Silver State, he's got his pits. He's working on Rhonda's stuff. He's working on his stuff. He's got yep. uh, people coming over saying, "Hey, work on my engine." And it's got like he's got like a little mini pit for everything. And it's like, yeah, this guy's engine, I'm putting bearings in, and this engine, I'm doing this, and this is my cars, and this is Rhonda's cars. And it's like, you want to talk about bad timing with people coming up and asking questions? That guy's got people all day long, and. <laughs> yeah. 
he handles it like a champ. I mean, maybe when somebody walks away, he's like, oh man, I need a break. You know what I mean? But anybody comes up, he, he takes care of it. You know, he doesn't always stop what he's doing, but most of the time he stops what he's doing and he goes and helps tune the guy's motor or whatever the case is. So, um, but yeah, everybody wants Adam. So, I mean, I asked him for his help five times a day, probably at an event. So I'm, I'm no better than anybody else, but yeah, and, the guy works his ass off and he knows what's up. That's for sure. And from a couple of my perspectives, it is a little selfish, but when, when Adam doesn't make the main, I really like when he helps pit Ryan. In the main. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet. And, if, and if he can't do it and Truy and Truy doesn't make it, it's nice to have Truy in the pits too. Obviously they're very good down there, but, um, you know what I've also found about the pit guys, what I like about Adam or any of these guys that's big physically is yeah. it's really nice to have these big guys in the pits because it's nice to have space what, you know, what I see when the, the good guys come in, it's nice to have space and it's, and when you're smaller or you're not tall enough, people push you around down there and you end up with less space and you can't wow. see. And when these big guys are down there pitting you, you have more space, they can see everything, and yep. that really makes a big difference. And yep. uh, that's interesting. And, you know, that's you know, part of like Gord being successful down there is you know he'll push people away. You know, it's like I'm, we're coming in, get out of the way, and <laughs> that's how you have to be. Is I mean, I remember saying that to a couple guys at the end of the pit road, towards the end of the Treggy race, because I was standing down there watching. And I said, I'm like, hey, they're like pitting Cole Ogden, or I can't remember who they're pitting, and I'm just like, hey. I go get back. The leaders coming in. <laughs> they're looking at me like they're looking at me like, "Hey, ass!" Like I'm in this race too, and it's just like, "Hey, get back!" The leaders coming in because when you're coming in and out of pits, that's a big part of it. And especially like yeah. you said, you, like you said, that last pit stop mean, meant a lot. And uh, that's why I was like, "Hey, everybody, get back!" Because the leaders coming through, and this has to be a good stop. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I, I kind of asked Aurora at that race for people to stand back, too, because what people don't really get is we're driving around on slick tires, and then you're coming into the pit, and it's dust, and then right when you get off the dust, it's full-blown carpet. So you're going from traction to complete no control to full traction again. So it's like if you can't see your truck or your car, you don't – like you're trying to control something that's damn near out of control anyway. So if you can't see it, you know, it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And what makes pit guys good, what makes a great pit guy, what people don't, I think what some people don't get is a great pit guy is somebody that when you look down, it looks like everything they're doing is in slow motion. You know what I mean? Like, like when I watch Adam and Joe pit, I'm thinking, I'm like, hurry up. And then I hear my pit lab. I'm like, oh, we are the fastest pit stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's the, everything's smooth and, you know, Truly does it the same way and the Tussmans do it the same way. Like everything's just slow, not slow, but everything's methodical and it's smooth and there's, you know, nothing crazy going on. Um, and that's, that's really what makes a, a good pig guy is just smooth and steady. Nothing crazy. Hmm. I, I remember doing, uh, we did the first AMS race and I went and I, when I was watching the race, I stood by Jimmy Babcock and I would have him announce <laughs> When before Ryan's coming in, I'm like, tell everybody to get back. The leader's coming in, and I remember him announcing it. <laughs> He'd announce it. Ryan's coming in. Get back. Yeah, you can't do that at big at bigger races. But that was fun to be able to do that at a couple races. They did that in Argentina at the World. Remember, uh, they were For calling Robert. in uh, Robert Battle. Yeah, yeah. They were 
Hmm. Right when his pit guys called him in, the announcer on the booth were like, rubber battle pit. <laughs> I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it And at the Worlds, they normally don't say anything. Yeah, you can't say anything. But that was, he was a favorite there, and they made sure he knew he was supposed to pick. So, so I think we're pretty much down to the end here. And I think the last question was basically like a typical guy saying, what is a typical week for you in, in, in your life, basically? Like, you know, it's like, hey, I wake up, I go – you know, this guy's kind of like, hey, do you practice, wrench, you know, family stuff, traveling, like, kind of like that type of thing? Um, yeah, I mean, I I probably do two races a month, I would say, on average. So it's uh, maybe not that many, but whatever. Right now, it's probably about two races a month. So it's, yeah, wake up, uh, get the kid kind of out of bed, and my wife works uh, Tuesday thursday and saturday so i'm off if i'm in town um and she goes to work then i'm hanging out with the kid and uh when he takes a nap maybe i'll do uh some work getting cars ready making orders um whatever the case is and then the, the day she's home and i don't have a weekend you know the race isn't coming up that weekend and we try to just do something hang out whatever um, but if the, you know, if there's a race coming up that weekend, then if she's home, then I gotta get in the wrench room and, uh, get busy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really go to the track like unless I'm, uh, breaking in an engine or, uh, you know, like with an ACO car, you kind of want to, if you build a new car, you want to go break in the driveline, stuff like that. If there's 10 scale races coming up and, you know, it's a clay track, then I'll try to build some cars and I'll go down to hobby action and kind of run them in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's about kind of how my week goes. So then, you know, he's just saying, is there any hobbies you have outside RC, which you've talked about before, but you can, um, talk about that a little bit and just, um, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. I mean, well, I got a few Traxxas cars now, the X max or desert truck. And I just got one of their rock crawlers. So I play with that stuff, like chilling in the backyard, drinking a beer or whatever, kind of throw one of those around. And then, yeah, we go camping. I got a trailer and a Can-Am, and I used to be into mountain bikes. I used to do that quite a bit and uh, rode road bikes, but that turned out to be a little bit too much work, so I kind of <laughs> gave up on that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't, we haven't done much. Um, you know, with the kid, that's definitely changed things, but... Yeah, hold you know, we got a couple camping trips now. and stuff planned. He's nine months old. Oh and, wow! Uh, yeah, you're busy. Yep. Yeah, we didn't want to pay for daycare. We didn't really want to send him out this young. So yeah, um, we're lucky. We have a friend that will come over and watch him when I'm at races and when when uh, Stephanie goes to work, and then when I'm home, I just hang out with the dude. So yeah, it's not too bad. Luckily, he he's good. He sleeps good doesn't cause problems yet i'm sure he'll yeah. start soon i thought the first year was very easy and i joked with my dad at one point i said you know this isn't as hard as everybody made it seem and uh yeah. he, <laughs> and he laughed and he's like it's coming and i thought year three was the yep. worst year three was everybody says terrible twos but it was year three for me and that was really challenging so yeah i'd run around the house and everything getting in stuff so 
it gets fun. But uh, it's pretty cool, though. Yeah, yeah, we've already done that. Oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> Locking drawers, putting all the baby crap on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It definitely changes your perspective. You sure know? does. Yeah. It's not about so, you anymore. You got someone else now. So Yeah. Good. Hmm. Fun. And yeah. only a little over five years away, and he'll be driving around those paper plates. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully he's <laughs> into it. Right now he's kind of scared of them, but they're a little loud for him. He's got his mom's mentality. He's kind of afraid of everything, so hopefully he'll... <laughs> grow out of that a little bit <laughs> yeah. so yeah i mean i think i think that's about it as far as our questions go uh, there was a little actually we'll, we'll just finish this one because just happened but he eli westrip was asking what kind of foam prep do you do like for, this is for 10 scale different type of tracks whether you, if you run slicks or treaded tires you know do you you know I guess he's asking, you know, do you put holes in them? Do you cut them? Do you use use foams? Like, I think he's kind of asking that type of thing. Well, you know, I don't want to. I want to do the least amount as possible. <laughs> but yeah, it it depends on the track. I mean, it depends on the amount of grip. If there's, if you're looking for traction, then yeah, sometimes I'll cut the ribbing off, you know, or I'll. But I mean, I don't. I people punch holes and. I mean, I think you you think it makes a difference. I don't think it makes a difference. I think it's just a pain in the ass, honestly. I think if you really want to make a difference, you're cutting the ribs off or putting the V cut down the center on the inside of the foam. Um, if you're looking for more grip, just running old foam always helps. Um, but like, typically on most of the stuff we run on, it's, it's high bite. You want you want that stuff as firm as it can possibly be. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it just depends on the track. It's not a all-the-time thing. Yeah, what I was trying to explain to some people before is I said, you know, what's kind of um, what I noticed that you like to do is you start off with you try not to pull out all the tricks for your first two practice runs because then there's nowhere to go. Uh, right. A lot of people are always asking me, like, how to prep all this stuff. And I'm like, well, if you're trying to do all this stuff before you actually drive the car, how do you where do you go from there? One and then. Right how do you know where you can, where you started at? And I think like I was trying to compare, like I think Spencer's the kind of guy that likes to pull out all the tricks for the very first one or two practice runs. And then he's trying to figure out where to go from there. Whereas I, I always think like the way you do it is you start off with basically very minimal tricks um, and then see where you're at. And then you kind of tweak from there to try to get, faster or extra pace but um i think you know and what i've noticed is there is some advantages to doing that because sometimes these tracks where you run where <clears throat> you know the traction gets more as you as you run you know the track gets better so sometimes you do all this prep to your tires or whatever and you you're prepping for something that you don't, you're not going to have when you're actually racing um, yeah i mean that's kind of why i always just try to just chill out in the beginning is because you don't you know when you first get to these races you don't know what the track's going to do so when you're trying to prepare for something you know you we think the track's going to do something but it's not that way you know when you first get there mm -hmm. so it's just like you know don't 
don't overthink it the first couple of days because then you're just mentally worn out by the time the racing starts. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, yeah, I try to, sometimes I try to just do the minimal and Spencer sometimes calls me lazy and I'm like, dude, I'll do it when I need to do it right now. Who cares who wins practice? You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, but yeah, but Spencer loves that stuff. He, he, like, he dreams about finding these little tricks and these little secrets and, you know, he got, I think he kind of got that from Kenwald and, mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of more of a minimalist. I just like the race and see what happens. But that's why I think me and him work together well with tires sometimes. Cause I'm like, dude, we don't need to do all that. And then when we are doing all that stuff, I can like, Hey, what are you doing? And you know, he might not give me all the info, but you know, close. Get it, get it out. <clears throat> yeah. Close enough. But yeah, I think that's always a interesting thing is if you start with in a certain direction and you don't have anywhere to go, then I think that's, I think it's important to have somewhere to go. And, you know, it's like we go to a lot of these races where it's you know popular and chuggy people glue their insert to the wheel, you know, cause it doesn't move around or expand. And everyone's, I was like, did Ryan glue his inserts? I'm like, it's the first practice run. He didn't glue his inserts. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, he's not gluing the insert. So yeah. um, it's like, you know, check back for the main, you know, it's like if he TQ'd with not gluing the inserts, he's not going to glue the inserts for the main. If you beat him in the first round, he might glue his inserts for the second (laughs) round. Yeah. But I mean, what worked the rate, you know, the weekend before doesn't always work the next weekend. So it's just like, you kind of got to have, yeah, you got to, like you said, you got to leave yourself some wiggle room there to make adjustments. You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like going to the same thing that like going to the warm up races is why I'm kind of over that is when you go in with this mindset of like, you think you know what you're going for or what you're getting, it's like almost worse. You know, I'd yeah. rather just be surprised and, you know, act on my, you know, just go off the cuff and trust my abilities and, you know, what I'm feeling that moment instead of having this, you know, preconceived notion of it's going to be this way. And I did this last time, you know, I, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. all right we'll give a give a shout out to some your sponsors here and um you know friends family and then uh you can be done done with it yeah thanks everybody that supports me long list of uh companies yokomo mugen j concepts uh maxima uh timo ryan protech um Aiming Hobbies. I uh, hope I'm not forgetting anybody. Um, uh, yeah, without all those guys, I wouldn't uh, be able to do do this. And, you know, thanks to my family. Uh, my wife is really good at understanding, especially now with the kids. She's, you know, she knows I got to go to work and she's good, good about handling it when I got to leave. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, it was fun. We'll uh, do it again soon. Yeah, congrats on another win. Uh, awesome to watch. Um, I I gotta admit, I stole Gotti's idea, and I uh, I wanted your Truggy after the race. Yep. Uh, what? But uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man. Um, but uh, yeah, I have uh, I have your Truggy here at the shop. Obviously, anytime you want it back, but I'll I'll send you your, or should I just send your trophy? 
Should I send your trophy to your dad or should I send it to you? <laughs> uh, yeah, you could probably send the trophy to my dad. And then, I mean, I, I told you if you didn't take that truck, it was going to turn into an e-truggy for the electric map next week. So <laughs> That's what I was concerned about is I was like, man, I'm like, I go, this race was so awesome. The truggy looks so good. At, you know, winning a national on, you know, last lap, one second. I'm like, I got to have this damn truggy before he turns it into an e-truggy. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't have, but I, I might have. I might have done that. <laughs> anyway, it's here chilling. It's awesome. And uh, I love watching AJ and Brad and these guys look at it and just say, this is like a stock truck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. it is. It's just a badass behind the wheel. And they always look at me like, come on, there's got to be something. No, no but, it's literally you can buy every single thing on that thing. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, <clears throat> damn you, Rona. <laughs> I wanted that for the studio. Hmm. Well, we'll send you the body. We're sending you a body. <laughs> yeah, okay. That, that'd be cool. I appreciate Hey, Ryan, I appreciate uh, autographing stuff for Jason. He sends it to me, and we give it away on the podcast. So, appreciate all that, man. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, cool. No worries. Not a big deal. All right. We'll have a good night. Thanks again, and uh, we'll chat soon. All right, thanks, guys. All right, we'll All see right. you, Ron. See ya. I'm so happy I remembered that Truggy oh. thing at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's uh, heartbreaking. <laughs> we'll have to get a pop to get a picture of it. Oh yeah, that would help. <laughs> that would help. Jeez. I'll guarantee he's gonna. He'll text me and say he needs that thing for the e <laughs> I hope he does. I hope he does. He's like, hey, uh, you know that Truggy? Uh, I need that for the e nationals. I can't like, believe you. Say, Adam. Adam told me they're out of stock of Truggies, and I'll have to. I'll have to use that one. I'll be like, damn it. Uh. You know what meme I'm thinking of right now? Seinfeld going, Rhoda. Yep. Newman. <sighs> All right. On that note, we're closing it out. That was episode 197. Big thanks for Ryan being on the pod. Three, three more to go. Right. Pretty awesome. I see some other guys, you know, Justin Doyle. He's climbing up there. Yeah. Um, we got... Uh, there's there's a lot of them out there. Somebody was messaging me, and I'm like, uh, yeah, oh yeah, there's podcasting's all the rage now, so that's pretty cool. It is. It's a, what was that meme? Something like um, in the 70s or 80s, it was like let's start a band. Yeah, and now it's let's start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. That's it. That's true. But uh, you got to have fun doing it. Somebody messaged me and said, hey, how, you know, is there money in it and stuff like that? It's like you can't be you can't start a podcast thinking you're going to do that. You just got to have fun doing it. And that's it. And just keep pumping out the episodes as much as you can. So I like it. Yeah. I mean, I it's sometimes it's funny because I feel like there's um, there is a lot of them. <laughs> sometimes the competition part does get me, though, like. It's like, I want to be, it's just, it's hard to take that out of it for me. Sometimes it's like, it's like, I want to be the best podcast, but you know, well, you're on the wrong one then. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard to take the competition side away from anything. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. 
God, I, I can't. I try not to get to wrapped up any... in that, but um, I like yeah, that you're, there's. You're good at it. You're good at that. Good at what? No, you're good at being able to, to, um, you know, follow along with the other podcasts. You like podcasts. You don't really see it as threatening. No, not at all. Um, not at all. Yeah. I do you're, enjoy Yeah, you're, 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 I was really good with other people and talking to them about it and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I I enjoy. It. I mean, um, and I like that. There's like I said, there's other ones out there. Like Justin's out there, and I talk to him, and it's just cool. I th- I think the only thing about it now is it's kind of hard, like getting guests that you don't want like a Spencer or Ryan to be on someone else's pod last week, and then you schedule them for this week, and it's like I don't know. It just seems like you get. Well, yeah, you don't want it to be overrun with the same content over <laughs> right. and over again. Everyone's fight. Everyone's everyone just repeats the same thing. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, we're gonna have we're gonna have Ryan on to talk about the Roar Nationals, and then all of a sudden Ryan has to go on and say the same exact thing over <laughs> right. again. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I hope people they do enjoy listening to these guys, and they do um, like the idea that. Um, you know, some of these stories, some, some people do ask the same questions over and over again. Like, I think I brought up like my friend, Kenny, like, you know, he was a big Jordan fan and he was like, you know, he would ask, you know, there's certain times I forget who did it, but it was like, Oh, ask Michael Jordan questions. He'll answer, you know, 50 questions or something. And mm-hmm. he's asking all these specific things. And, and, and then when it all comes out and he shows all the, shows all the questions and answers, it's like, Oh, how many times a week do you shave your head? know yeah you know he's he's got all these specific basketball related questions and it's like you know they pick the ones that are like how many times you shave your head yeah yeah but uh um, yeah they they like to know i've noticed people like to know when ryan started and all that what makes it good and and um it really is hard to put that into words because uh, even for him uh, because he doesn't know, really. You know, he knows the effort, but um, it is pretty clear, though, that there's some people that have a little extra than others, and mm-hmm. you know, not that you can't enjoy it either way. But um, I mean, when you watch this, this uh, like the Truggy main, another reason, like you know, we're talking about this, joking about this Truggy, but you know, I wanted this Truggy because I felt it was such a great race that he ran, um, and I, I don't have a I don't have a winning eight scale car from him. I have the one that he gave to me that had the broken servo, but um, he was leading the world with it and the servo broke. So it's like, just <laughs> gave me the car. But um, I wanted this one because I felt like it's like, God, this was an amazing race in 45 minutes. He never crashed, never major bobble had great pit stops. It was like a, you know, from his end, uh, a very perfect race. Um, but yeah, he uh, his dad usually takes all of his trophies. So, oh, you have to send that one out to him. I'll send it right to him. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe it. I'll send him the trophy. We'll see if his dad recognizes that uh, there's a TQ plaque too. He'll be like, um, I got the trophy, but uh, see the uh, TQ plaque in here. Did uh. Did that happen to get lost in shipping or <laughs> or what? <laughs> oh man. 
I'm hurt. I'm hurt. You got the truggy. I'm messaging you all weekend. Hey, give me a truggy. <laughs> give me Ryan's truggy. And you took it. <laughs> I, I'll get you something. I did ship you a bunch of cool stuff this week, though. Yes. I shipped you a kit. I shipped you a kit box. Not exactly the one you wanted, but I did ship you a kit box. Oh, cool. thank you. Thank you. Uh, I shipped you some uh, more awards that we can give out. One of them is signed by Ryan. Um, and um, there were some wings in there. Oh, great. Great. It's wings. What else do we have? <clears throat> yeah, oh, the body. Yeah, his, his truggy body, which I felt like you could use that as your truggy replacement until I ship you another <laughs> truggy. I do have a truggy I can ship to you. Oh, nice. Okay. Well. I appreciate that. So you guys have a chance to win those items over at patreon.com slash radio impound. And we'll be giving that stuff away. And uh, I see you guys are posting photos to our Facebook page. Um, pretty cool photos. As if people receiving the, there's a Spencer Rifkin body in there. Little kid holding that up. That yeah, I, li- I like when we see the photos. I always ask you, yeah. you ask me, <laughs> did you see a photo? <laughs> yeah, I like to I like to see the stuff be given away. And that, and that one with the Spencer Rivkin, uh, I think it was Cletus Snow and his kid uh, that mm-hmm. won that Spencer Rivkin. And Spencer went in there and even commented that he loves seeing that. And that's that's the cool stuff, you know, a little kid holding up the body, liked it. And uh, I'm just glad we were able to give that away. But appreciate the you know guys like Spencer and Mayfield's giving us stuff. So. <laughs> really cool. Really cool, and then uh, we gave away that uh, Ryan Mayfield chassis that he autographed. Yeah, the big second place chassis that he <laughs> was joking about. Jason Minich, you won that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, patreon.com slash radio impound. So when we get some of the new stuff in, we'll ship that stuff out. Yeah, you got some good good awards in there. Uh, yeah, there, that's gonna be a good box. And the kit box you're gonna like, I think, because it's uh, it was a special edition. Uh, B5M kit box with Spencer's car on the box and it has him and Cavalieri on the same box which what? I think super unique really that's yeah. awesome oh well thank you so yeah. that'll I think will will look good yeah I'm, I'm good. building up the little studio here so I'm trying to get some stuff and Jason's been uh, hooking me up with some plaques and uh, some cool stuff so that's awesome thank you yeah man it's gonna look good All right, 197 in the books. We'll catch you next week. Yes, you put it succinctly. Suck what? Succinctly, it means perfectly. Oh, yeah, man, I do that.